Hey, my guest today has been the CEO of LegalZoom since 2007 and a member of the board since 2005. We're going to sit down and talk to him about that. I want to know how we transitioned from the board into the CEO job. Now, John Sue is a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur and has founded and led numerous successful businesses, making him the perfect person to help business leaders navigate the legal field as they launch and run their businesses. In fact, LegalZoom has helped start over a million small businesses since its inception in 2001, including WordPress and Living Social. He joins us today to discuss the ways the company has changed since their launch 15 years ago. I bet you got some great stories. And he'll tell us what you need to know about the law before starting a business. So welcome to the show right here on All Business, John of LegalZoom. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, John, so the first question I got to ask you right off the bat, you've been with the company for a long time, which... I, I would say in your business uh, being, you know, both legal, but more than legal, the internet business, which it really gets started, that's not a common thing to see a CEO serve for this long. Yeah, it shocks me myself, 11 years and counting. <laughs> and you were on the board before then. Is that how you got the gig before, uh, to begin with? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was advising the company when they started out of an apartment, and I've known one of the uh, four co-founders since he was eight years old. And I was one of the two people that had started up um, Internet companies that he knew. So he'd asked me to help him out in the early going. And then kind of three, four years down the road, the company started really exploding. And that's when they asked for a lot of advice. And one thing led to another. And what ended up being a favor of helping him out uh, put me in as executive chairman and CEO. And I'm still here 11 years later. Are you, you must be happy with it, though, right? I mean, to, to be that long. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's shocking to me. I mean, in uh, my first... Uh, company that I started was an incubator in the internet, so we set up something like seven companies in um, in seven years. Mm-hmm. And then when you you look at this one, uh, kind of in one long stint, a lot of it is just you enjoy the team, you enjoy the mission, and you can still be very entrepreneurial, invent new products, new services inside of the company, and get them to market much faster. So. I figure as long as I'm having fun and we're making a difference, uh, I'm in a good place. Now, you mentioned four founders. I knew about two, Brian Lee, and then, of course, with all the most recent uh, re-news of the old news, Robert Shapiro. Is Robert, is he still involved in the company any way, shape, or form? Yeah, Bob is still a shareholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can still turn to him for advice. I mean, Bob obviously has his practice, which is the, the bulk of his time. Mm-hmm. But he was instrumental in the early years, probably did a hundred different kind of uh, talk shows and radio and TV and articles and really helped uh, lend his credibility uh, to the company back when you know no one knew LegalZoom from, from the next uh, website. So yeah. he was critical in the early years and remains an advisor to the company. I mean, there's a lot of different ways I want to go here in this in, in discussion with oh, you. By, by the way, though, there are four. Uh, the other two. Yeah, what are the other two? Brian yeah. Liu mm-hmm. uh, and Eddie Hartman. Brian Liu was actually the CEO in the early years, mm-hmm. and Eddie Hartman uh, built all of the technology. Oh, wow. Uh, and now is uh, uh, runs a lot of our research and development. And still with the company. 
that, that, yep. which is cool, which is cool. I mean, sometimes it's interesting to watch founders of the company who start off as the leaders but then have to take another role because that's what they're really good at and somebody else comes in like yourself and takes over the CEO role. And that's a fairly common occurrence with a lot of uh, startup companies now. Yeah, I could tell you a story about that. When I was in um, business school, I was taking one of these organizational behavior leadership courses, and they said, hey, there's leaders for four you know, life stages of business, early stage startup, right. high growth, yep. maintenance, and then turnarounds. And they said, and, and the, the statistics show that most leaders are good at one phase and therefore should stay in that phase. And I got very indignant. And just off, and I was like, "You're saying <laughs> if I start my company, I should give it to someone else?" Yeah. And that's what the staff says. Oh no, I'm going to take this all the way. And it was funny because I I I've, uh, had a lot of early stage experience and then a lot of growing a company to kind of get a lot of the zero twenty million and then the twenty million to a hundred million plus. And um, you can't transition styles, but you as a leader fundamentally have to change the way you operate the yep. teams that you manage exactly um so some people love one stage or the other and some people like to go back and forth uh me i like to go back and forth yeah i typically am more of a startup guy you know i bought and sold a lot of companies to over 250 in my career and and i like the startup the getting it going stage the high growth stage and then after that i eh, i gotta move on um no i yeah. I, I hear you yeah it's just and it's mostly around part. interest and in the things you want to do, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's cool that you've been able to adapt. I can adapt when I need to, but I don't have to, so I don't want to. So there we go. Yeah, no, a lot of people, what I found is it, it's what they enjoy, yeah. right? And usually people are good um, at what they enjoy. One, my dad says the reverse. He says, actually, people enjoy what they're good at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good, smart dad, smart dad. I like so that. I like, huh, there's some weird fortune cookie wisdom in that. Yeah. So, do, do you take a lot of, do you take a lot of advice from your dad? Cause not everybody does that. No, actually I almost never take advice from my yeah. dad. And occasionally 10 years later, I realized what he was saying and went, wow, that was dumb of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. He becomes wiser the older I get, but yeah. I was, uh, I was never one for authority, so it didn't ever work that well with me. Or maybe maybe I should say, and I'll say this on behalf of your father, maybe you become wiser. He was already wise. You just, you just... No, I think that, that's really the case. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand how good his advice was. Yeah. That's <laughs> Not, always... Because I wasn't ready to hear it. Hey, well, one of the things... I, that's a great point. I love that. And I might be one of... I always end every show with, uh, what did I learn? That might be one of them right there. But let me ask you about uh, Bob Shapiro. I've I met Bob before, and I, I respect him, and... Uh, you know, he's been shown in some different light here recently in some of the different shows, which is always in, in, interesting to look at retrospect and way people view things. But the guy's been a smart, smart guy. He's certainly been very effective. Was it was it a decision to get him involved, you think, early in the company because he had that? One, the credibility in the law firm, so there was an interest there. But more so, he was also kind of a spokesperson and he, maybe more of a celebrity spokesperson and he served more of that role. Which was it? So early on, when the founders were looking at, hey, we want to create a meaningful brand and solution in the law, they realized a critical thing was to have customers trust the company. Mm -hmm. And when they looked around, gosh, they were like, well, we're, there's two lawyers and a techie. So they began with three co-founders. <laughs> and they're going, well, we worked at large law firms, but no one knows who they are, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we don't have any credibility. So they made a list of the most famous lawyers, 
And they said, what's really funny about the list is most famous lawyers are TV personalities, uh, fictional characters. Yeah. <laughs> and most people don't understand you know, or, or recognize really individual lawyers that are alive and well. So, yeah. And Bob was at the top of that list. So they reached out. And Bob almost and said, "Sorry, I'm not interested." And then um, Brian Lee, one of the co-founders, said, "Oh, well, how do you know if you if you you've had heard the pitch?" So he says, "Okay, you got two minutes." And he gave him two minutes, and um, uh, he said, "Okay, come in and and you can make a, a full pitch. I'll I'll let you through the gates." And uh, from there, the team presented, and uh, and and Bob did not want to actually be a spokesperson, but said, "I've never lent my name to any business, but if this is really going to change access to the law." For Americans uh, at large, then I'd rather be a partner. And so uh, the founders were like, "That's fantastic!" And he became the fourth co-founder. Oh, fantastic! Which is a cool story because you know sometimes businesses they you know they reach out to me a lot of times say, "Hey Jeff, I'm thinking about using a celebrity." And in essence, Bob was a little bit of a celebrity. I mean, he was a subject matter expert without mm-hmm. question. I mean, he was very good at what he did. Had some very controversial, very very successful cases, but at the same time, he was a celebrity as a result of it. And I, I always tell people to kind of stay away from it unless they get somebody like a, a Bob Shapiro who drank the Kool Aid. I mean, he was a walking, living, you know, real example of, of, of both legal and, and a spokesperson, which I think, I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, it's the same question when you have any co-founder. You want to make sure that if they're going to be involved in the business, they share a passion for the business and they can add value. Yeah. And, you know, notoriety alone is not enough. You've got right. to have expertise. You've got to have strategy. You've got to have a skill set to contribute. Yeah, you got to drink something to the table because you're giving us some stock. Hey, speaking of, of good stock, I, I stopped by my local Dunkin' this morning. I tried out some of their new uh, flavors. I tried out Almond Joy. I like Almond Joy because, hey, speaking of your dad, my dad, that was my dad's favorite candy bar. And when I was a kid and I used to go to Halloween, he would steal all my Almond Joys when I came home. But uh, so I tr- your dad and I have something in common. I'm a coconut fiend. I love coconut, and I, I so I tried it. I, I now there's all kinds of different flavors. You can blueberry, caramel. They they've got all these different original blends. Or you can go, hey, Dunkin' decaf for those of you who want to wimp out. But you can have decaf. You know, it's freshly brewed. You know, America runs on Dunkin', and all business runs on Dunkin'. John, do you drink coffee? Do you drink it? I do. I'm yeah. like a six-cup-a-day, seven-cup-a-day guy. Yeah, I'm even more than that, quite frankly. When I figured out the cups, I usually just get large ones, and I found out there's two or three in each one. So that's, that's scary <laughs> when you think about it. How do you take your coffee, by the way? I'm generally – I vary between black mm-hmm. and a little bit of coconut milk. Oh, I, You know, I like coconut milk. My wife's got me on that. She's trying to get me off the cream and half and half. So, but I and I like coconut milk, so that's a good one. Oh, well, good. So, let me ask you another question: Is the is LegalZoom more around the consumer or more around the the business startup guys? The bulk of our revenues mm-hmm. come from small businesses. So yeah. we're the largest former small business with the largest file of trademarks, and we have the largest small business legal plan in the country. So it's interesting when you look at number of customers. It's it's closer to fifty fifty, but when you look at the revenues, it's dominantly small business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and, and mostly because businesses, when they need it, they spend it and they got to use it. But there's a lot of people out there that only need stuff occasionally. So for the consumer side, did you? 
you know, it's it's changed. Your business model has changed. One, I mean, when I look at it, you you founded 1999. Then you had in 2001, you had 10 based web products, estate planning, business formation. You mentioned IP trademarking. Then 2010, mm-hmm. you you kind of launched this independent attorney network, which to me made sense. And then you hit some big milestones of, a year ago with about three and a half million customers. And now you're operating as a fully fledged law firm. Is that so there's been a transition over time, right? Yeah, that's a great description of the transition. I, I, I call it the three chapters of LegalZoom. In Chapter 1, we were self-help software positioned as an alternative to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. In Chapter 2, we added lawyers through legal plans to give advice to our customers so they could get a document and advice from a lawyer. And now in Chapter 3, which we just embarked upon last year, we're really integrating lawyers throughout our process. So you'll see many of our services go to 50 to 100% attorney delivered. So then now it's not really choosing. It, you know, it's gone all the way from um, starting as an alternative to a lawyer now as the place where you go to find and select a lawyer that's dedicated to you. Is that so because- we want to provide technology-enabled lawyers uh, to small business owners and families. Yeah, because I want to separate you because you're still offering the web-based service, right? <clears throat> yep. Okay. Yep. So you still have those those particular products, which somebody wants to get in and get out, they can do that. And then second, is it? Did you have to go to the to the lawyer-based, you know, full-fledged law firm because as these businesses grew up, they had more needs and needed to have that relationship or a broader sense of a scope of services. Well, that's what drove us towards legal plans to Chapter 2. What mm-hmm. um, you're referring to in terms of us becoming a law firm in the U.K. <laughs> really uh. kicked off in February of this year. Okay. And what happens, I mean, when you think about most innovative companies, right, a lot of times like a, an Airbnb or an Uber come up against the law because they're doing something that hasn't been done before, and the law is based on precedent or what has been done. So when you do something different, they don't know how the laws apply. So that's, I think, with any large company doing something differently, they they run into kind of this regular regulatory no man's land, or we don't know what to call that. Um, it's like how do you how do you, you create uh, citizenship for an alien from outer space? We never really understood that, and, and a lot of I think internet companies face that. LegalZoom faces a unique challenge, in that the industry that we're in is the law, and also say that's the space that we're disrupting, folks that are protecting that are the lawmakers themselves. So we run into additional, I think, uh, regulatory hurdles when we mm-hmm. want to innovate around the law, and it's complicated by the fact there are 50 different states yeah. with 50 different nuances. So in the UK, we were drawn to the UK because uh, the UK changed their laws to allow private ownership of law firms, which means we could capitalize a law firm, own it, and really create modern legal solutions without any restrictions. And what we want to do is take some of those learnings and bring it back uh, to the U.S. So, you know, we feel like when we're thinking about modern legal solutions, sometimes to go from point A to point B, in the U.S., we need to take six stops along the line, where in the U.K., we can go to a straight line. Well, why, are they, why do you think they're fighting you? Is it just because government hasn't caught up to the way in which services are being delivered? <clears throat> well, it's changing quite dramatically, I'd say. When I think about today, you know, we talk quite frequently with the American Bar Association, 
you know, as we speak, uh, we keynote a lot of both myself, our general counsel, and our co-founders. We speak often at kind of American Bar Association events and at state bars. And now we've, we've helped, we're trying to help a lot of the state bars embrace technology and see how they can utilize that, both for their own lawyers and for the population at large. So I'd say contrast that, you know, we probably have, I don't know, 15, 25 speaking events this year. Mm-hmm. And contrast that with four years ago, and it was zero. Wow. So yeah, we were different. considered kind of the enemy and the outsider. And one of the things that we've done is reach out to a lot of the state bars. So they got to know us individually, understood our mission and how we operate, and began to think of different ways we could either work together by sharing ideas or actually collaborating on different projects. So I think the tenor of our relationship has changed dramatically. Um, and that's not the case, obviously, with all state bars, but with many state bars, yeah. because I think a lot of lawyers have realized technology is here to stay, and we got to figure out how to utilize it to further our own um, goals. Do you, you know, I'm curious about this because I think the model has changed uh, quite a bit. Let me let me take a quick break, and then I'm, I want to come back to it because I want to ask you about the model because you remind me of the dating industry. I, I and I'll and I'll leave it with that <laughs> Cliff, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Hey, yeah, okay. I, I, I want to talk about same box and emails because I'm spending hours and hours sorting out what's important. I'm sure you do too, John. It's not the same. I you know it's not the same as it used to be for me. And here's why: because I got same box. I love this company. As you if you've listened to me, you know. I went out and found it uh, because they intelligently sort through my emails to help me deal with the important ones. So I used to wake up with 180 emails. Now I wake up with like 18 because it sorts them out and puts them into folders for me. It learns it over a period of a couple days. I drag them to black hole. I drag them to newsletter. I drag them to friend. I drag them to different places that I want. And over a couple days it learns, but more importantly, I tag them so I can put, if look, I was trying to get a hold of John to get on the show. I follow up, say one day at Sane box and a day later if john hasn't reported back to me you know got back to me he's going to do the show then it it pings me to let me know that john hasn't got back to me which is awesome so this is a great tool and all you got to do is go to www.sanebox.com forward slash hazlet i give you two weeks free try it out i'm telling you this is my killer tool all right dating i, I mentioned you were kind of like dating because i a lot of people would say that you know the internet wouldn't be good for dating Right. And now we know that that's how a lot of people are finding their matches. That's how the people are finding. I should say harmony too. whatever. Work them all in here. But but where a lot of people are doing that, I would think a lot of people said the same thing when it came to legal services that, look, it's about the relationship. You need to have a relationship with your attorney. But yet more and more people are turning to, you know, legal Zoom and and other online services for their business needs. Right. It's really kind of like that. It's just kind of evolved. Right. Yeah, and I think people were caught up in a false dichotomy. They were thinking it's either technology or people, one or the other, and it's a stark choice. And it's never – life doesn't give you the stark choices. Very few things are black and white. And we find the best solution uh, for LegalZoom, we are not a pure technology company. We are a platform of people and technology. Technology is critical for us. It's it's it solves the primary quality problem that we see in legal services, where you know technology can automate certain things and do something ten thousand times in a row exactly the same, assuming it's not Microsoft technology. <laughs> you know, oh, there's a dig. Okay, where we go? All right, uh, just having a little fun. Uh, 
so. But when you think about that, if technology does it 10,000 times in a row, good people make sure you're doing the right thing right. 10,000 times in a row. So for us, it's always a platform of people and technology, and the critical part of the people equation for LegalZoom are lawyers. Yeah. So you know, if lawyers can utilize technology to take care of routine matters, make the experience more effortless for the customer, whether that's a small business owner or a family, to provide more convenience, greater access, streamlined communication, streamlined scheduling. These are things just that make for a better experience. So you got to utilize both great people and great technology. Yeah, but can, can you train attorneys to do that? Because typically that's not been their, their, their strong point. I mean, they're a little bit more stodgy, a little bit more slow. They do it there based on their systems. I mean, no offense to the attorneys that I've used in the past, but that's the way it's been. Yeah, I think the industry as a whole has been uh, hasn't really changed how they've done business uh, uh, since the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, mm-hmm. I think now what you have, I see a lot of uh, younger attorneys embracing change. And in the same way, you know, think about 10 years ago, and I think about my parents, and they thought, oh, Amazon, Facebook, right. all that crazy technology. And now they just think, oh, Facebook, that's how I, I see my grandkids. Yeah. You know, and Amazon's just, oh, they're just a retailer. Yeah. So at a certain point, the technology becomes natural to you and it becomes embedded in your day-to-day life. And I think that process takes a little longer for attorneys, but it is settling in. And you see a lot of younger attorneys embracing technology and being very innovative. And actually, a lot of people um, on the, non- on the uh, nonprofit side, like legal aid, I think those with scarce budgets that are driven by a mission are constantly turning to technology for innovative solutions because, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And if they know technology can save uh, uh, save the money or create different functionality, you see a lot of the judiciary uh, and other folks in the nonprofit sector embracing it. So I think it's coming. It's taken a while, but I think the attitude, is, as I mentioned, has radically shifted in the last three or four years. You well, know, let's even say like a startup package. I mean, when, when people come to me and say, Jeff, who should I talk to? I said, come on, go on LegalZoom. I mean, they got a simple package, takes you a few minutes, you're done, and it's over. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to give you a plug here, but I'm giving you a plug because to have no, to go, well, but to have to go to an attorney, and it, by, by the way, most attorneys don't want to mess with that, quite frankly. You know, it's a it's a hassle kind of way, but you've automated the system. So I, I think the other piece of it is the scale piece that you're able to do. Yeah, and, and for us in particular, technology is very useful if you do something 100,000 times in a row. And we've, we've start, helped start over a million businesses. So... We've got that down pat. We can do it very consistently in quality at very tight delivery times uh, at very affordable prices, and that's made us the largest former small businesses in the history of the U.S., and, and we're still climbing in share every year. So I think it's, it's about doing a few things extraordinarily well at great scale and then building upon that success. What are you, what are you most proud of at LegalZoom? Or you, or you personally, what are you most proud of? You know, I'm proud of our team right now. You know, LegalZoom, we're a pretty large company now. We're, we're now north of 1,100 employees. It's um, a good size. And when I look at innovation, and that's something I've asked the team, we need to constantly push the envelope in terms of better solutions, more effortless solutions, re-engineering what we do today, creating new solutions for needs that we don't service today. Because it, it killed me. I said, hey, to our team, you know, they're out of the, out of – we only can service one out of ten legal needs in the U.S. because we don't have a solution for the majority of them. Yeah. So how do we get out there? Why do we create? We got to create different platforms, 
And so there's been this explosion, I think, of creativity and innovation within the company, and we're launching radically different solutions. In many ways, we're launching more things, I'd say. Uh, probably in the next 24 months, we're going to launch more products and services than we launched in the, um, probably the last seven, eight years combined. Do you try some so, things that don't work? No, we try a lot of things that don't work. Yeah. Like uh, what? I mean, we, like what? Like what have you tried that said, man, I, we, we went out there, I thought we were going to do this, and no one came? Ah, let's see, let's see. We, at one point, had done an all-you-can-eat contract review and drafting solution mm. um, for small business owners, which is a critical need. We know a lot of them. Um, most business owners don't turn to a lawyer because they think it's too expensive, and then they go unprotected, and then when kind of the proverbial crap hits the fan, <laughs> that's where they go, oh, crap, I needed, that's when I needed a lawyer, uh, when I drafted this as opposed to now. Mm -hmm. Now, we created a solution, but we realized... Most folks don't want to enter into a subscription for all of that because because a lot of entrepreneurs early in their career don't know how often they'll need. They don't know yeah, unless you've done it right. a lot of times. You don't know what you don't know, right? Right. So we you know we could attract the person that started their business for the second, third, or fourth time because as a sophisticated user they said, "Well, this is a fantastic deal. I know the more successful I be, the more I'm going to need this." But to someone starting out for the first time, they was like, "Well, that was once. I don't know if I'll need it." once in the next year or five times in the next year. So it was actually difficult to educate them through that process. So you couldn't so get, the, you couldn't the, get the over the over the hurdle. So you charged it. You were trying to put a bigger fee up front, and then people couldn't see the value of it right away because they've never been through it. Yeah, it's your uh, yeah. dating relationship. I think you know sometimes you jump the gun and you don't you don't ask you don't ask to be engaged on the first date. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we we, we realize, hey, maybe we should just have a good first date, yeah. earn our way into the relationship, and kind of work to a that's commitment. Right. How about just dinner? How about just dinner first? That's, that's good. Now let's just have a good time this time around. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let me take take another break. I I love having great sponsors like this and great people who are either partners. I should call them sponsors because they're partners. Because I love these folks. Liberty Tax. If hey, if we're talking about first time business owners. So let me tell you about Liberty Tax. They provide low uh, startup cost and great support system. Um, so outside the legal stuff, you're going to go to legal Zoom right there, but you're going to need the tax stuff. And on the tax stuff, hey, look at Liberty Tax. And don't forget, if you're looking for a franchise, they've got these seasonal franchises. I know a number of people who have been listening to the show have signed up to become franchisees after they've heard about it here on the show. So if you're looking for kind of a part-time gig, but it's your own business, that's one of the things you can do. So, hey, look at the folks uh, that, that stand out and wave. You see them all the time holding up the, 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 um, the flame of freedom right there, Liberty Tax. Um, call my friends at Liberty Tax or call me, and I'll make sure you get in touch with them. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Let me, uh, I guess another question I have for you is, are you going to be expanding some of the services? I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and it almost sounds like maybe I should have some legal insurance. Are you going to look at something like that? We are uh, we are exploring that as we speak. Mm -hmm. So we have a, I mean, we spend probably six to eight million dollars a year in research and development, thinking about new solutions, new products, mm -hmm. researching them, test marketing them, figuring out what works, um, what can take off. And, uh, 
you know, amongst that portfolio is definitely insurance. Like, I, I feel like it's been 15 years for us to get to the starting line, uh, meaning we've, you know, we've lived under these crazy regulatory burdens that we figured out finally they're behind us. Uh, and now, especially with the law firm, the alternative business structure in the UK, we're actually a law firm, the first U.S. company to buy a UK law firm, and now we can operate globally in many respects in certain practice areas. Now that's really opened up the doors, uh, both our experiences in the U.S. and our capabilities in the U.K., to do things we've never done before. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like now, finally, we can – I felt like this, you know, MMA fighter where all we could do was throw a left jab and had one hand tied behind our back. Mm-hmm. And then in the U.K., we're like grappling, kneeing, kicking. We're like, hey, we can actually really perform here without restriction. And, I, uh, and I'm hoping, you know – a, even if it's a toned-down version of that in the U.S., uh, I hope that will happen over the next five or ten years because too many small business owners don't get the legal protection they need. And if that happens in the U.S., then we're all in trouble because we all know that's the engine of job growth. But the argument would be, John, and I think we'd want to hit this, is that you're, you're not an attorney. The company wouldn't necessarily be a, really a – well, I guess you would be a law firm once you form that. And that would be the difference. I would, I would imagine the regulators are saying, look, you should have lawyers in charge of law and businesses in charge of business. I, I would imagine that's what they're really saying to you, right? Um, they're, yeah, they're often worried about the professional ethics when it's run by a company. And it, you know, it's kind of like saying, hey, you can't be part of – you can't um, be an officer of a healthcare company unless you're a doctor. Yeah. You know, you you can't be running uh, a healthcare plan. You know, and you, and if you want to manage twenty thousand people, only doctors are allowed to manage twenty thousand people. Well, and you got to be ins- you got to be insane. Trained. You got to be insane too to think that a lawyer is not a business because they are. I mean, they yeah, they got to run a business. Yeah, they've got to run a business, and and you know, for us, we believe great solutions generally require diverse teams. So when I think what's behind a great product or service, I think of a, a great product marketing person, a great product developer and design and user experience and engineers, right, and uh, and our uh, lawyers and our customer care. Now, I put that all together and I go, wow, you know, it's a cross-functional team that creates something great. If the only equity holders could be lawyers, then take out the technology, take out the user experience, take out the product marketing, take out the feature set. What do we have? Yeah. Yeah. So if we're no innovation. You wouldn't new, have any innovation. It'd be doing the yeah. same old way. We wouldn't be able to grow like we can grow. I mean, look at some yeah. of the good companies you guys have started, like WordPress. Uh, what's another one? Living Social, I saw on the notes. The You know, it, those companies might not exist today. Yeah, I would say that some of those companies might not exist today if it weren't as easy as it is to start a business with the way that you use your service. Well, there's no question. If you make it easier to do something, more people will do it. And there's going to be people on the cusp that wouldn't get the protection they need. It wouldn't take the step if it wasn't just a little bit easier or more in reach from a price point. And and again, I think small business owners and entrepreneurs need every help, every piece of assistance they can get. Yeah. What's the biggest legal mistake you see businesses making? Well, I'd say... I'll go back to tax in a little bit, but the, the, the most important asset for business leaders is your team. However, how you manage and lead your team interacts frequently with employment law, which differs quite a bit from state to state. And small business owners are truly at risk because the laws are complex. Few have the time or resources to be completely up to speed, and lawsuits are on the rise. I saw this uh, article in the LA Business Journal that indicated actions 
under PAGA, which is the Labor Code Private Attorney General's Act, it's up 400 percent in the last eight years. Wow. So when you think of employee losses in California, up 400 percent in the last eight years. Another national study indicated 41 <laughs> percent of all, lawsuits. I was going to say, get out of California, come to South Dakota. That's where my hometown <laughs> is. That's where <laughs> uh, California is just a difficult place. Yeah. I can, don't get me on that soapbox. Exactly. But, um, I you were saying you, you, you said forty-one percent. What was the forty-one percent? I cut you off. Forty-one percent of lawsuits were for employers between fifteen and a hundred employees. Wow. So that's where I find it difficult because now you're talking about small business owners that may have a certain amount of employees. You have twenty employees, but probably one of them isn't a general counsel or employment lawyer. Yeah, probably. And you probably don't have an HR person necessarily at no. that. That might be a restaurant. That might be any number of businesses. So. I think there you have small business owners dealing with all the complexities of running and starting a business and building their team and getting the product and getting customers, and yet they're responsible for all these complex laws. And I think the key areas that people make mistakes in are salaried versus hourly employees, parameters on how they hire and fire, and the costs of getting it wrong can bankrupt a small company and, and put a serious dent. So. I think that's the area that if we're building our teams, we just need to know how do we manage and lead them based on the laws of the state. And, and we need assistance there. We need someone that we can turn to as entrepreneurs that can take care of the legal stuff for us and help guide us so we can focus on the things that matter, which is generally building your team, building your product, and getting customers. You know, another one I think is important uh, that you would agree as well, John, is the preventative side, right? I mean, it's me sitting down with my partners to say, what's going to happen if I die? What's going to happen if you die? What's going to happen if you can't perform? What happens if we've got three or four of us that are founders, and all of a sudden we don't want one of you around anymore? But you, you've got solutions for things like that, right? Yeah, and you bring that, I think there's a lot of, when you create a partnership, you have to create the avenues for dissolution of the partnership. What if one person gets married and leaves the state? How do you deal with that? So I think that, that planning, and also on top of that, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but tax planning. Yeah. Um, because by the time a business is successful, that's when a lot of business owners turn to taxes, and then they lose a disproportionate share. Because it's not what you make, it's what you take home. And there are a lot of options the government have provided, like qualified small business stock called QSBS, that can save entrepreneurs and employees a tremendous amount in taxes. But you have to do some of these things up front. So I think planning, whether it's on tax or succession or dissolution, these are some of the things that are helpful to have you know, to address in advance. And that's where a lawyer or an accountant can be critical to helping you. Yeah, and I think it's, it's those early things and to go through – and have somebody there that's been through it before with you is a very, very important kind of thing. Hey, I want to give you a chance uh, to give you a shameless plug. Any kind of, anything you want to kind of let us know about that we didn't get out in the interview that you, you, I don't care. You can talk about the business. You can talk about a charity. You can talk about your favorite scotch if you want to do that. But, uh, <laughs> oh, favorite scotch. That's a long, that's, that's that a, long a long list, plug. isn't it? It's a long <laughs> list. Well, you know, I, I think the most important thing for this audience as small business owners is you often have questions that are legal in nature. But you know, a lot of business owners feel like a lawyer is going to be too expensive to call and therefore would rather go unprotected than pay the price. And what we want to do at LegalZoom is end that fear. So you know, we have a small business legal plan. So for less than what most lawyers charge for an hour. We will provide unlimited advice on first-time issues for a whole year. So whether you call us once a year or 20 times a year, it's the same price. 
uh, and it's less than $400 for the year. And that way, whenever you have an issue, you can get the advice of an experienced small business attorney. And that's what we really feel like every small business owner needs just to take care of the basics. And so we just want to end this fear that you know lawyers are only for the big companies that have in-house counsels and provide kind of access to qualified, experienced small business attorneys for your everyday needs. All right, for all those small business people that are listening right there, thinking about starting a business, let me tell you something. We call that in the business a no-brainer, a no-brainer. This is one of those things you want to do right now. You want to sign up. You're thinking about it. You'll uh, Trust me. You, normally, it's going to cost you add another zero, sometimes two zeros to that figure. By the time you're going to go through talking to attorneys, this is a great way. If it's an all-you-can-eat kind of plan like that, no-brainer. Give me another shameless plug. That was about the business. Give me something else. Since we talked about scotch, I've actually invested in a uh, new company called Virginia Black that is a new bourbon company that has some of the cleanest um, – it's, kind of, it's fantastic bourbon, and it's affordable, and it comes out of this kind of uh, genius taste master Brent. But we're doing it with Drake, um, and uh, it just hit the stores in May. So it's, oh, it's wow. an affordable bourbon. I want you to try and tell me what you think. Well, I'll tell you what, John. I, I know we just met on this show, but who's your buddy? Who's your friend now? <laughs> you got to send me some of that. I'll drink. I I will drink it on the show. I, that's how much I will do it. It'll be great. I love. It, I, it's coming. Scotch it's is coming. my Scotch is my first love, but bourbon's my second. I've I've you know it, and I've only introduced it now, folks. So you think you got to acquire the taste of this thing? I got to tell you, I only started drinking this stuff like a year ago, and you know I talk about it all the time. So it's it, it's my liquid bacon. Hey, John, pleasure. <laughs> Thanks again for bringing that up and for joining us. You got it. Take care. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, after every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I learned it's a new bourbon coming out. That's pretty cool. And I learned I'm going to get some. Awesome. That's one of the perks of being a talk show host, right? Uh, you got to get some. Well, actually, I get a lot. Okay, here's the other ones. I've learned something else. You know what I like? Um, you, you can't know everything, right? We like to think we know everything. I like to think I know everything. My wife will tell you that I say that I think and act like I know everything, but I don't. So you need a good partner. And that's what I like about somebody like Legal Zoom or somebody else, you know, or, you know, wh- whoever. You need to, you got a heart problem, go to a cardiologist. You got a general, pre- you know, general uh, problem, don't go, you know, you got a mi- mi- muffler problem, go to Midas Muffler. Don't go to the general place on, this, on the corner. And here you got legal issues, go to somebody that's looking out, especially a very complicated thing like law. There's so many things to think of you can't, and you got to be preemptive on a lot of it. And I think that was, uh, pretty important. The second thing is, hey, you know, he reminded me it's not one thing or the other, meaning it's not just people and it's not just technology. It's got to be a blend. And he's right. You you know, you can have great service, but, you know, but if you don't have good food, then in in a restaurant, then it's not going to work. And the same thing with technology and people. You got to have a good blend between the two to make it right. So that's convenient for everybody. It scales and they're getting great, great service. So that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, don't forget, uh, tune in if you would and make sure to tell other people. Please, 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 if you do that, that, that's great. It helps me a great deal and uh, gets the word out, makes people smarter. And we'd like to be smarter right here on All Business on Play.it with CBS. This has been Jeffrey Hazel.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.